Morning, everyone. It's, it's hard to preach with your mates heckling you, but I will push on. You, you, oh, not even my mates. Right, okay. I'm, re- I'm ready. Daniel in the lion's den. Um, so we're only on like a couple of verses, so just... Um, keep your Bible or your phone uh, near you. It'll be helpful because um, we're going to actually look at Hebrews 11 more than Hebrews 12 um, this morning because the other oaks got the nicer parts of Hebrews 12. Hey! I've got the honor oh, threw me under the bus with the introduction uh, here, but uh, at our church, I pray every time before I preach, and I know you've just prayed, but I'd like to pray again. It's like helpful for me. Are you happy for me to pray? Well, I'm just going to do it. I'm not actually asking permission. I'm just telling you that we're going to, let's bow our heads. Honor, I'm going to kick you out. I'll pray for honor. Father, we come, we come to your word. We, we are such a grateful people that you, you haven't just spoken, but you continue to speak. And you have, um, you have, out of your lavish kindness, given us the wonderful gift of your spirit to be our teacher and to be the revealer of your, of your ways and of your heart and of our own hearts to us. And we pray that as we gather around your word um, this morning, uh, we long for you to speak. We, we long to hear uh, the voice and the words of the, of the Father who loves us. We long to be shaped by the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, in, in this place this morning. We're not, we're not sharp enough to see what we need to see. Uh, we're, not, we're not the people that we need to be yet, and so we place ourselves in your hands, and, and we long with all of our beings that, that the living God would speak to us, that you would take us now and, and form us more into the image of Christ through the power of your word. These are your ways, and we give you glory now for the good that you will do in us for your wonderful name we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, I'm not, well, let me read it again. I mean, we're going to read it like 15 times over the next couple of days. Therefore, I'm reading from the CSB, so it sounds a little bit different maybe to some of what you might have. Um, uh, it says, therefore, my version, therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The bit that we're covering this morning is, therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses. Therefore, because we have such a large cloud of witnesses, of witnesses, this is the motivation for us to, to run and to keep running. And there, there are a few ways that this, uh, this passage is being interpreted. And uh, the one way I'll call it the Comrades Marathon way. Um, you may have heard it um, preached like this before. It's the kind of, if you've ever been to, did anyone run the Comrades Marathon by the way? No, well, we're a lazy bunch here, hey? Not even one in the whole conference. Or you just like being shy and modest about it. Um, 
the comrades, I try not to run unless I'm being chased. <laughs> and I think my prospects of survival are low if I encounter whatever's catching me. So I'm not a runner. Uh, but I've been at the comrades, and it's such a vibe. If you've ever been there and seen, um, I mean, these people running and turning themselves absolutely inside out to get either from, you know, Pitimaritzburg to Durban or, or, or back the other way. It's amazing, and the support is just like life-giving for people. I think it gets some of the people um, over the finish line because it's just people just pouring out love and admiration and cheering them on kind of thing, and like, you can do it, you can do it. And I, I used to run, you know, and, and I don't like people yelling at me when I'm doing exercise. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not that kind of person who takes that and feels like, oh, I want to go a few more steps. I'm like the kind of person who's going to summon the last of my strength and punch you in the face um, and then retire from the race. I have things I need to work through, I understand that. But uh, uh, the, 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 view, the view of this, when you hear it, is, is some people think it's like that. That, that here we are, we're, we're at advance, uh, we're the advances, and, and the hosts of heaven, the, the crowd of witnesses are all watching us from heaven. And, um, you know, they're all, they're all bound up like, you know, and give us an A, give us a D, <laughs> give us a V. Yeah, ah, there's too many letters in advance to keep going with that thing, but, uh, huh? They're like all like teamed up, you know, like we've got the spirit. Yes, we do. We've got the spirit. How about you? And we're like, and they, they're cheering us on and, and come on, advance. And, and it's not what it means. That would make a great sermon. You know, I mean, I could keep going. Maybe you don't think it would make a great sermon, but, uh, you know, that, that picture of like they're watching us from heaven, like Bette Midler style, uh, from a distance, they're watching us and they, they're cheering for us. And, and I, don't, I don't think the text means that. I don't think it means that. I don't think these witnesses are watching us. I think they're blissfully unaware of what's happening with us. Absolutely unaware. I think we're gonna rock up in heaven and some people in heaven are gonna be completely surprised that you arrived there. They're definitely <laughs> gonna be surprised that I arrived there. Yeah, my grade 11 maths teacher is gonna get the shock of her life when I walk in there. I promise you, I thought she was the antichrist and the feeling was mutual. And I found out later she's a believer in Jesus, a wonderful lady. She is gonna have the shock of her life when she sees me. I was not a Christian at that stage. I was worse than I am now. Um, they are blissfully unaware of what's going on here. Guys, they are not spectators, they are witnesses. They're not watching. They're not looking at us. We are looking to them. Their eyes aren't on us. Our eyes should be on them. Those who have run the race, those who have witnessed something, they've seen something, they've been through something, they have experienced something, and what are they witnesses of? That's what I wanna look at this morning. What are they witnesses of? because they're all witnessing the same thing. Their testimony agrees. Their testimony agrees. What are they saying to us this morning? Because their lives still speak. If you have Hebrews open, Hebrews 11.4, uh, it says this, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. He still speaks through his faith. Abel is still speaking through what? His faith. So we wanna listen this morning 
to what the, what the witnesses have to tell us. It's not this real-time encouragement, a celestial cheerleading team. It's life after life after life after life that has experienced the astonishing faithfulness of God. And they have got something to tell us that can put steel into us to keep running. Because we need it. I need it. There's only three things because, uh, you know, I, I don't know actually how many points I have, but I, this is point number one. Um, this is, this is the, what they're witnesses of. The first thing they are witnesses of is that he's worthy. That he is, that he is worthy. Have a look in verse 24 of uh, chapter 11. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt since he was looking ahead to the reward. Moses made a calculation. This is his calculation. That it's better to suffer reproach for the sake of Christ. There's Christ in the Old Testament. If you ever wondered where he was, he's all over the place, but he's explicitly there. Moses makes the calculation, it's better to suffer reproach, to suffer anything for the sake of Christ than, than gather up all the treasures of Egypt. They were his on a plate. Growing up in Pharaoh's house, they were, it wasn't like a pipe dream. Legit, they were on their way to him. He makes a calculation, which one am I gonna choose? And it's not that he, it's not that he just chooses faithfulness. He, choo- he knows maybe what's lying down the road for him. Reproach, it says, suffering for the sake of Christ is better than all the riches of Egypt. Don't kid yourself that your life will be better if you just have some more bucks. That's not, not what the scriptures are teaching us. Moses makes the calculation. It's worth more to suffer for Jesus than to have all the world's things. We don't often think like that though, do we? I don't. I wanna ask a question. This is how I preach lots of questions throughout. Keep my mind, I have ADD, so the questions help. I wanna ask about you, I wanna ask about us. What has ministry cost you? What does ministry cost you? Because it's costly, isn't it? What, what is following, not everyone here is a professional Christian. What is following Jesus? <laughs> Most of us are, but you know, there's some of you who snuck in, well done, thanks for coming. But, um, what is, what is following, this, this passage, by the way, is not just like, hey, keep going if you're in ministry, never tap out kind of thing. This is not a, a passage just for the professional Christians. This is a passage for believers in Jesus to keep running the race. Everyone gets to run the race. It's not just like the elite bomb squad running the race. Like every Christian runs the race. What does following Jesus cost you? Because it's costly. I had time to think about my answer. We're we're 10 years in Jan into our church plant. It's not a plant anymore really now, I suppose, isn't it? It's like a teenager almost. <laughs> but it's been costly. It's been costly. There've been times where I've weighed up. I've had some serious chats, Claire and I, and wondered, is it worth the cost? I don't, I don't know if I wanna keep 
spending like this. Lost my mates. Health is battled. Our kids have gone up and down. Now, I don't want you to feel any sympathy for me. I don't feel any sympathy for you because I know that you're in ministry and you've had the same knocks and clubs as well. Because ministry is tough, folks. And if you don't think it's tough, you haven't even been in it long enough. Or you live in la-la land. It's tough, man. It's a joyful, amazing privilege. And many of us would never want to do anything else, but we don't want to kid ourselves. That I don't want to kid anyone here that you might be sitting in this room this morning thinking, yeah, see, the last place I feel like being is here. I hope no one asks me in the coffee break how I'm doing, because they may get the full answer and I'll get uninvited from the movement. You know, just, you're just gonna vomit all your internal stuff on them. You know, I might do that if you ask me how I'm doing, but I got this opportunity now. Guys, ministry is tough. We need to be honest about it. What does it cost you? What does it cost you? Who does it cost you? I don't want to make light of the things that it's cost us. I don't. Because some of those are friendships, family relationships, things that we treasured and treasure. I don't want to make light of those things. I do want to remind you of Paul's words to us in 2 Corinthians chapter four. From verse 16, he says, therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we don't focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Guys, when we're honest with ourselves, some of these afflictions don't feel momentary or light. They feel incredibly heavy and eternal. But the truth that we need to wash our hearts in again is this. This is the truth that we need to orientate our experience and what we tell ourselves around this truth, that these are light and momentary afflictions. And they are stacking up for us an incomparable, eternal weight of glory. We don't even understand what that means or what it's gonna look like, but it sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? It sounds better than what we're going through. And it sounds like it's worth pushing through. My prayer this morning is that God would put steel into us again. That those with the weak knees would get strong knees, strong legs, strong knees as well. Now, some of you are here this morning thinking about tapping out. My prayer is that God would meet you and overwhelm your heart with the kindness of his grace. Put so much love and strength and power into you that you wouldn't tap out. You keep running, not because of me or this or anything, but because God loves you and he doesn't want you to tap out. No matter how tough it gets, the witnesses who've gone before us testify to this, that it's worth keep going. He is worth it a million times over. He doesn't owe us anything. He is just worth suffering all things for the cause of Christ. The second thing, point number two, is that he 
is faithful. This is what the witnesses testified together en masse, top of their lungs. He is faithful. The imperfect faith of imperfect people in a perfect savior. The imperfect faith of imperfect people in a perfect savior. He is faithful, guys, in our weaknesses. How, how, how familiar are you with your weaknesses? Some of us, they live before our faces. You know, you're like, oh yeah, how much time have you got? I can tell you. You know, and you feel that. You hear this morning, you feel your, your weakness. You doubt yourself. Your sin is, Allah David, always before you. You feel your weakness. Some of us need, some of you need more help seeing those things. The grace of God to see areas where you're weak. Because I think if you don't see and know your areas of weakness, you don't lean on God for strength in those areas. You're walking blind. It's a dangerous place to be. It's a good thing. It's a grace-giving thing when God opens our eyes to see the areas in which we're uniquely weak. It's a grace. But He is faithful in your weakness and in my weakness. Hebrews 11 is considered the gallery of the faith heroes, isn't it? We read that and we're like, yeah, these guys, this is like the A-team, you know? This is the Christian A-team. Noah the drunkard. Do you remember all these stories? from Sunday? If you skip Sunday school, some of these you may have forgotten. Abraham the liar. He's there in the gallery of heroes. Jacob the deceiver. He's there. Moses, the murderer. It's not really an A-team so much, is it? Gideon, the doubter. David, the adulterer slash murderer. David, the man who had a heart after God and after his neighbor's wife. I mean, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but that's, that's what the rest of the Bible tells us. I don't want to throw David under the bus. I'm just saying, me and David, we're in the same WhatsApp group. You know, I'm not, where's my wife? I'm going to get myself into it. I'm just going to stick to my notes. Hold on. Bless you. Oh, thank you, Bono. Where was I? Okay. David the adulterer and murder. Rahab the prostitute. Guys, I, I'm just mentioning this list because I want to drill it into your hearts that God is not frustrated with your weaknesses. He knows what you're made of. It's not a surprise to him that you have weaknesses. It's not a surprise. God's not, oh, I had such great hopes for honor. <laughs> well, maybe with honor he is a bit like that. He's not surprised by what he sees in us. He knows how we're made. And he is faithful in the midst of our weaknesses to still produce his wonderful, glorious plans. I don't know who it was who said that God is able to draw straight lines with crooked sticks. Some of us feel our crookedness more than others. But that's the truth of the scriptures, is this glorious God of ours is able to work through our weaknesses. He is the faithful one. We're in, these, that's what these witnesses tell us. That's their testimony. 
that they had faith in God, but they were still beset with weakness. And it wasn't a disqualification to God being able to use them for his glorious plans. How amazing is our God? He is faithful regardless of the outcome. Not only is he faithful in our weakness, he's faithful regardless of the outcome. Have a look at verse 33 there. Let's, let's read what some of them endured. Who by faith, uh, chapter 11, verse 33, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength in weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And all of us want to be like, yeah, I want to be on that team. God, glorify yourself in my life with that kind of stuff. I want to see that kind of stuff happening. I want to see a resurrection. I want to see, I want to be mighty in battle. I want to put foreign armies to flight. I mean, maybe, you know what I mean? Like, we don't want to see that really happen, that kind of stuff. But we want to see God on the move in our lives. Glory, 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 miracles. We want to see revival, all of that kind of stuff. That, is God glorified in those things? Yes. It's a life of faith. You see it evidence there, but it keeps going, doesn't it? Other people were tortured, not accepting release, so they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered around in sheepskins, in goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Can we have a subcommittee meeting afterwards for all the people who are keen for God to glorify himself in your life by that, all those means? Yo, who's signing up to be sought in too? Lord, glorify yourself in my life. I want to be sought in too. No, 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 nobody wants to be in that category. We all want to be in the previous category. Doesn't matter how it ends. The witnesses tell us this, that God is still faithful. God is still faithful. It's not that he's faithful when we're putting foreign armies to flight. He is there and his faithfulness endures while they're sawing the guy in two. He remains faithful. Guys, you don't get to choose the manner in which your life will glorify God. You don't get to choose. He does the choosing and you do the glorifying. I'm signing up for that. Nervously. But I want to sign up for that because he's worth it. And the witnesses tell us again and again and again, yes, he's worth it. And yes, he is faithful. Doesn't matter how it turns out in the end. For some of us, it's going to go lacquer. You're going to grow old and have grandkids running around the jaw and everything's going to be great. And you're going to close your eyes on your pillow and go to heaven and whatever else. Lacquer life lived. Some of you not. Some of us, I don't know what's gonna happen to each of us. And in each of our churches, this is the truth we need to drill into our people's heads, that we're not in this 
because God is a celestial slot machine, a dispensing machine, and he's just blessing us, blessing us, giving us good things all the time. We need to receive from him whatever he gives. It's good, it's tough, whatever. When our people go through sickness, what are we gonna teach them? What are we gonna tell them? There's guys on Grego's team, elders who are, who are battling, battling things like cancer. Grego and I had a, had a, had a chat with a mate who, who he, he wants to tap out of ministry. He's not gonna do it, but he's had some real moments. Like Not like when you wake up in the morning some days and you think, I'd rather be a lifeguard in Belito than you know, a pastor. Those kinds of days, I've had them every now and then. Um, I'm, he, I'm not talking about that and then the feeling passes by mid-morning. Like genuine plans, like I'm, I'm leaving this, I'm done. I'm done, I'm walking away. It's too hard, it's too complicated, it's too costly. There's too, been too many blows there's too many other things here. I don't want God to glorify um, himself in my life in this way anymore. I need a break. And he hasn't done that. But guys, this is real. For us in ministry, it's real for people in our churches that we question these things and that we feel the, the weight of them. And I wanna remind you that it doesn't matter how God chooses to glorify himself in your story. He remains the faithful one. The last thing under this is that he is faithful to see you all the way home. He is faithful to see you all the way home. Listen to this from 1 Peter chapter one, from verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith. For a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you haven't seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What a passage. Verse five, you are being guarded by God's power through faith. Guys, I wanna remind you again that he is faithful to get us all the way. What he started, he's gonna finish. You didn't start this with God. You didn't. You didn't choose him, he chose you. And he will complete the work he has started in you. Jesus said, no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one. No one's snatching you out of his hand. Doesn't matter how beset by weakness, how tough it is, how many clubs you take in ministry. And here's an encouragement to us that he is praying for us. This, this is a truth that's hit me with new force in the last few years, that Jesus lives to make intercession for me. What's he doing now? He's praying for us. He's praying for us, isn't that amazing? 
many of you are familiar with that quote by Robert Murray McChain? If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. I wonder what you would feel if you could hear Jesus sitting on the steps there, mumbling. Maybe he's not mumbling, maybe he's shouting. Lord, I pray for Ryan and Kate. I love these guys, praying for them, praying for Rory. These are my, these are my beloved ones. That's what he's doing now. That's what the Bible says. He's praying for us. Guys, he's praying you all the way home. Your praying team in your church may not pray for you. Your intercession ministry may be falling apart. You may not even have the mind and the wherewithal and the heart and the gumption to pray for yourself. Your prayer life might be in tatters. You don't even know where your prayer journal is. Maybe you don't even have a prayer journal. The truth of the Bible is this, that the king of kings is praying you all the way home. And his prayers never, ever get rejected. No one ever says no to him. Guys, he will pray you all the way home. Have the confidence in him. Last thing. The witnesses tell us that he is waiting. He's waiting for us. These witnesses testify that they had to wait. This is... uh, If you're a Bible nerd, this Hebrews 11 is all around them waiting, pre the new covenant. They're waiting for the coming of the Messiah. They don't get to experience the joy of of the coming Christ. We're on the other side of that. They waited, waited, waited. They didn't see. They didn't see what was promised. Now we have seen the promise. Jesus has come, but we're still waiting, aren't we? I'm still waiting. In, in all of our lives, in all of our churches, there's, there's this longing, there's this waiting. We are still, as God's people, waiting for the reconciliation of all things. Things are not now the way they will be one day. He's still coming to bring the full and final consummation of this glorious kingdom of his. We are waiting. We are waiting. And we need to wait with faith and endurance and patiently. But he's waiting. He is waiting for us. He is waiting for you. And what is he waiting with? He's waiting with a ton of things. I just want to remind you of two things that he's waiting uh, for you with. He's waiting with words. Ministry can be super discouraging at times. Sometimes it could be encouraging in a weird kind of a way. We were laughing with some guys the last couple of days of how it's strange it could be when people in your church mean to encourage you, but they say stuff that's actually not really encouraging kind of thing, and they think they've been encouraging, and you're like, walk away thinking, I don't feel particularly encouraged, uh, you know, right about now. And we feel that. We live with that. Sometimes people just say nothing. You preach your heart out, you serve your heart out, you counsel your heart out, and you get crickets. You know, nothing. Or, or you get like, oh, that person didn't actually care for me. Like, I'm sorry, like 20 hours, you know, in your living room with you, box of tissues, whatever else, and then they leave the church and like tell you, write you snarky emails, like, you never cared for us, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I just, I just preach instead of going to therapy, it's much cheaper than, uh, <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, yeah, about the people who leave, that's it. So you may, you may not have any encouraging words from the people in your church. 
But there's a day coming. There is a day coming when you and I are gonna stand before him. And we're gonna hear the words that we all long to hear and they're gonna make everything worthwhile. And he's gonna look us in the eye and he's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy. Let's go. It's time to party. It's time to party. There's gonna be no more counseling. There's no more tears. There's no more packing away the chairs. <laughs> There's no more any of this other stuff. Enter into your master's joy. Well done, good and faithful servant. Guys, when those words wash over our hearts, it's gonna be the best thing you have ever heard. I long for that day. He's also waiting with our reward. It says that in Hebrews 11. It says about Moses. They put faith in God and they said no to some things because they were looking on the other side for a reward. We don't talk about this much. There's a reason to endure in ministry. There's a reason to stay faithful, to press on us because God is gonna reward us. We don't exactly know what it's gonna look like. I don't really care. I just know it's glorious and it's from him. Guys, we need, to, we need to set more of our heads and our hearts on eternity. We do. I, 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 I've, we've all heard that phrase, you know, you're too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good. I've never, ever met anyone like that. <laughs> Have you met anyone who's too heavenly minded that are of no earthly good? I've never, ever met anyone who's just like obsessed with eternity and glory and God and they, that they're useless down here. I've never met anyone. I don't know who came up with that saying. I wanna be obsessed with eternity. I wanna wake up in the morning thinking there's a thin line between now and then, and I live now in the light of then. I make my decisions today, tonight, tomorrow, in the light of eternity, and that Jesus is real, and that he's coming back for me, or he's gonna call me, and that this is not the final thing. There is a kingdom that's coming. We wanna get people there. We wanna be faithful, we wanna experience God's sustaining faithfulness all the way. He's coming with words and with our reward. Let me close. I said we don't get to choose how our lives glorify God you, to, in, the, in the fullest sense. Obviously, we get to make some choices. And I know that this is maybe a weird way to open a conference. I think the whole thing's been a bit weird, to be honest, but anyway. But I... I, 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 I I don't want us to wait until the last session and say, okay, well, let's do business with God and go home with fire in our bones. I had a real strong sense that some people were arriving here just sort of like hanging by a thread, soul in tatters, like a valley of dry bones kind of vibe. And that I have a real compassion and a heart for you, for us, that the Lord would meet us now, today, not as we were running to catch flights on Friday or whatever, that we would just soak and bask in the grace and drink it up, drink it up, have our legs strengthened session by session by session, that God would help those of you who are thinking of tapping out, that he would come and just wash his grace over your life this morning. 
and put steel into you, put courage into you to go again. You, you might be going back to the mess this weekend. You may have the worst service you've ever had at church on Sunday. You may. You know, I've got a side hustle as a motivational speaker. You can see that it's going <laughs> particularly well. It, it may be the worst Sunday. But the witnesses, the witnesses are still speaking. And they're still saying the same thing. He's still worthy. He's still worthy. He's still faithful. And he's still waiting. So let's go. I'm going to hand over to Anna.